Hello everyone, welcome to The Designer's Dossier, a podcast by Wintermoon Games Tabletop about board game design journeys and how we can all help each other cultivate community and creativity. I'm your host, Chris, and today on episode four of The Designer's Dossier, we're going to be talking about the concept of taking criticism based on your game. And this is a tough one. This is one that I still kind of wrestle with a little bit, but I've gotten better. And I think I can offer you some tips and tricks and just some ways to go about looking for constructive criticism. And when you do eventually get some of those offensive critiques, you'll have a better way of managing those so that they don't completely destroy you and take away all of your joy of making games. So let's dive right into it. As usual on this show, we try to break down topics and I talk specifically from my own personal experience as a game designer and the things I went through, the struggles I found, the hurdles I encountered, encouraging tips to help you maybe reframe how you think about game design, and of course, ultimately to encourage you to never give up on your game design dreams. Criticism is a big part of being a game designer. It's a big part of being any creator for that matter. You put something out there to the public eye and people are going to start picking it apart and sometimes they're nice about it, sometimes they're not. It's a debate as old as time. Are you a reviewer that is critical and honest and just says it how it is? Or do you carefully craft what you're going to say so that you don't hurt someone's feelings or offend someone but still try to be honest? It's a tough balance because as a reviewer you want to be honest with your fans. You owe it to them. But in the board game industry it's a lot tougher to be a critic because a lot of board games are made by smaller teams. It's not like video games or movies that are made by dozens if not hundreds of thousands of people sometimes. And those things are a little bit easier to criticize because you're not necessarily attacked one particular person, but rather a company or a group. So it's a lot easier to kind of be nitpicky with your critique. When it comes to board games, you are dealing with a small circle of people that all kind of design games and work on games. One thing's for sure, the board game industry feels big, but it is in fact quite small. Now, I reviewed games for a while, and something I always try to do, especially even with this podcast, as you've heard me talk about, is encourage people. Now, one thing I learned that was helpful to say as a critic is, this game isn't for me, I didn't care for it for these reasons, but I'm sure somebody out there might enjoy this because of X, Y, and Z. That was something that worked for me. A lot of people may see that as diplomatic and neutral, but I personally just found that it was the truth. And, I mean, games are subjective. Some games, I would find to be just absolutely unplayable that some people might want to play every single time they have a game night. So I try to keep that in consideration as a reviewer, as a critic. Personally, I think everybody's a critic and we owe it to ourselves to be critical of the things we consume. That's what makes the world go round. You don't have to like everything that somebody else likes. And if you can give good reasons why you don't care for something, that's totally fine and that's your opinion. Now, flip the coin and if you're on the receiving end of such criticism, especially in a world as small as the board game industry, it can feel a little personal sometimes. It can feel like you're being attacked or it can feel like maybe you don't measure up to some of the other designers that are out there. And if you take your game and you put it on crowdfunding, for example, you're going to get a lot of attention on that from both very vocal people who are going to express their opinions and not mince words. And then you might get some that are encouraging. So it's a mixed bag, but people are a lot more likely to speak their mind on a keyboard and (laughs) when they're not in front of you. So 
it's something you just got to be prepared for when you go out on crowdfunding. I think for me, and I talked about this in the last episode, which was talking about being emotionally invested in your game. For me, it was hard to take criticism because I was so neck deep in everything that I had created and everything about me was wrapped up into this game. It was like the only thing in my life that I've never given up on that I decided to follow through on. So it was just one of those things when I would get criticism on it, I would take that criticism very personally. A lot of times I wouldn't always show it right away. And sometimes what I used to do, and this was something that I did, I've seen other people do, was defend something in the game. So if someone criticizes a mechanic, for example, I would immediately rebut it by saying, well, this is why I put that in there. I did that for a long time. I came to realize that's something you never want to do. If someone says to you, hey, this mechanic is this and that doesn't work and blah, 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 whether they are right or wrong, you just need to learn how to say these words. Thank you. I really appreciate your feedback and I will definitely keep it in consideration. That's all you have to say. You don't want to rebut things because oftentimes it's going to be perceived poorly. It's going to come across like you're being defensive. And you have to consider that a person has sat down and given their time to play your unfinished and probably crappy game when they could be doing a number of other things with their time. They may in fact not be trying to be hurtful or condemning to your game, may just be coming out that way. And again, if you're emotionally invested, you may be perceiving it that way. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had some people who flat out look at me and say, this card or this game sucks. I've had people say that literally word for word to me, right to my face, and that doesn't feel good. You have to kind of grow a bit of a thick skin, I think, if you're going to be a creator. You have to be able to take that kind of criticism, and if it's rude, I mean, you have a couple of choices. You could say something. Oftentimes, it's better to probably just ignore it, because as you take criticism more and more, you will learn to differentiate the criticism that is constructive and helpful versus the ones that maybe just are not your audience or someone that is trying to just troll you and thinks that they're a know-it-all. There's probably a lot of people who are afraid to talk about this in the industry, but I'm not. Board game nerds, especially nerds in general, we can be really critical. We can take that thing that we're so passionate about. We're a fanboy. We're a fangirl. We know everything about it. It's one of those things where that just comes across as really pretentious. And sometimes when those types of people are giving their feedback on your particular game, it comes across as incendiary. Oftentimes they're coming from a place where they feel like they know more than you about game design or how games should work. Like, oh yeah, I know this kind of game. You don't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And you know, they start telling you all the things that you've done wrong. I'll just share one story. This is kind of funny. I had one of my games out at a demo day and a guy sat down and he'd never seen my game before. I never met him before. And he started just staring at my game. He was sitting at the demo table and he was just looking at all of the components. And my game had a lot of components at the time. And he was just examining everything. He wasn't saying anything to me. And I just sat there patiently. Occasionally he would say something like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But then he just kept sitting there and staring at the game. I had these player aids that were double-sided that had basically icons on them so people could quickly reference them. And they also had the basic phases of the game and sort of step-by-step how to take your turn, that kind of thing. It was a pretty detailed player guide, but it didn't explain how to play the entire game. Of course, that's what rule books are for. And he's looking at this player guide and then he's looking at the board and he's saying things like, oh, so then this space you can do that and at that space you can do this. And he's just kind of drawing his own conclusions. And I was just kind of torn because at this point, I really have learned to take criticism very lightly. It depends on who it's coming from. <laughs> this is a person that I... I 
to be quite honest, wasn't interested in what they had to say. And I could tell right away from the way they were giving me their criticism that it was not going to be something valuable. I tried to explain to him that the game was kind of started as a gateway game and then slowly became a little bit more advanced. And he kept making these snide comments like, oh, a gateway game, what? And kind of like snickering at that. And I didn't really know why he was snickering. I guess gateway games are beneath certain tabletop gamers. But, you know, it was just one of those situations where everything that he said, A, he was wrong about, and B, he was drawing conclusions from the game that he hadn't played just based on what he thought he knew. He fancied himself an expert looking at my player aid, and he was figuring out my whole game based on that. He just knew, this is not a game for me because of this player aid. Oh, I know everything I need to know now. That kind of criticism is not helpful. That person clearly is not my audience. This is the kind of criticism that I would say to you is very ineffective, but you are going to get it, and you might get it more often than you think. I can't stress enough that you will have to figure out a way to sift through the criticism. The one way you can help with this is by having some kind of written survey at the end when people play your game. Take it from me. I think I can remember everyone's feedback. I don't write anything down. I didn't have surveys for a while. I was wrong. You're going to forget things because your brain is going to be pulled in a million different directions, especially if you have a lot going on at a convention. You need to write everything down. So the best thing you can do is after people are done playing is immediately get them a survey, maybe even before they leave or email them directly, ask them to fill it out, tell them it's really important that they fill it out. And you want to have questions in that survey that say things like, what did you think of the game? Was it fun? What are some things you found to be challenging or confusing? What are some things you liked about the game? Don't always make it negative. Ask people what they liked about your game, but actually ask them what they didn't like and be ready to maybe not like their answer. I mean, it's just something you're going to have to get used to. And like we talked about in the previous episode, and I've kind of scattered this throughout other episodes, your ideas are not going to all be perfect, especially on the first try. So be ready to perhaps have your precious idea dragged through the mud and told that it sucks. And that's just something that you're going to have to deal with. I personally find that the most difficult criticism to receive is from the people that I'm more emotionally invested in. For example, my wife, my close friends, and my family. Those people, especially I have certain family members that are extremely critical. They'll just tell me exactly what they think. That's most of my family anyway. And my wife, she's a lot more delicate, but sometimes she'll just flat out tell me like, hey, I don't like this. And it stinks because I will have spent hours working on something. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to show her. And she's like, eh, I'm not a big fan of that. And it's hard to not get mad about that because you're like, I just spent hours on this. How could you not even say anything else, right? But you got to understand that from people who are giving you criticism, they have a certain standard in their brain of what you're going to present to them. If it's a family member or someone that you're close to, they're probably monitoring your work quite a bit. So if they see a sudden drop in your quality or something that's jarring, a change, for example, that they weren't expecting, they might be more biased and they might say something like, oh, that's not what I expected. And it's going to throw you, right? You're going to be like, well, wait a minute. Why don't you just think this is the most amazing thing in the world? You're my wife. Aren't you supposed to support everything that I do and say? And no, that's not the case. In fact, I've started to learn that the people that are closest to me are probably the best critics to listen to. Now, not always people are going to jump on that and be like, no, you have to play your game with strangers. Yes, of course you do. You have to play test your game with people that aren't your family and aren't your friends because they will be honest beyond that. Some family members, you can do no wrong. My family, I feel pretty safe with. They're very critical, as I said. I don't think anything's going to get by them that they don't approve of. So if they don't like it, they're going to straight up tell me. Some family members will approve anything that they're 
kids or loved ones do. They'll be like, oh yeah, that's amazing. You know, you can't sing, but go try out for American Idol. So it's actually led to a lot of conversations with my loved ones, my wife, my family, my friends. I've had to say to them, it is hard for me at first to receive your criticism. I want you to tell me what you think. That's why I come to you. That's why I show you these things. You're my biggest fan. You're the one person that's been in my corner since day one and you're not going anywhere. Of course, your criticism is going to carry a heavier weight. And that's why it's so much harder to receive. A random stranger on the street telling you that your work sucks, I mean, at least if you've got a thick skin, and I think that I do, you can just kind of roll that off your shoulder and let it go. When it comes to someone like a spouse or a significant other or a loved one, it's a lot harder to not take that personally, but you're going to have to learn how. Something I want to encourage you to do, whether you're receiving criticism or giving criticism, is you want to come at that from a stance of love and compassion. You are dealing with a person, a person person that has feelings. And I know that there's all kinds of stuff out there right now. Oh, you can't worry about people's feelings. I don't want to talk about that. There are people out there who have feelings and it's not your job to go out there and trash those feelings. It's your job to be considering the fact that someone may have invested their life's work into this particular thing that you're now criticizing and you have no idea the sacrifices they've made to create it. So you could bear to be a little bit nice when you are, you know, being a critic. You can find a way to constructively criticize someone's work. So if someone is giving you criticism and they're being sarcastic and they're laughing at you and they're basically making fun of your product, you can pretty much disregard that entire feedback. If someone is trying to be a little bit more loving and compassionate with their feedback to you, I think you can probably weigh that a little heavier because it's someone that actually has taken the time to care and pay attention to the things that they're saying. I'm not saying that you have to just accept all the butterflies and rainbows reviews on your game. I'm simply saying that you'll learn to figure out who the people are who are just making the loudest noise and who the people are that genuinely care about your game being better. My game had a lot of dice rolling in it and and I had people that would flat out not play the game because it had a quote unquote randomness in it. I had a lot of other people that loved the game that had a blast playing it and told me to never get rid of the dice or they would never buy my game. You have to figure out what works for you and what works for your audience. There are plenty of people who will play your game who will criticize it and say that it was the worst experience they ever had. But something you might learn is that they're not your target audience. By all definitions, and I hate using this term, my games I tend to grab towards making and designing Ameritrash games. I don't like using that phrase. I, I don't know why. I just don't feel comfortable using that phrase, but it is what it is. Euro games, I got nothing against them, but to me, I find them to be a lot more boring and laborious types of games. I like games that are heavy on theme and player interaction, and I like a little bit of randomness every now and then. To me, it's what board games were built on, and I love playing games where things aren't always the same every time. We're not just pushing cubes around. We're not just gathering wheat and rice. I want to play something that's imaginative, something that's new, something that has personality. That's what I want to play with my time. Nothing against the people who don't enjoy that stuff. But if those people are playing your game that is something that's Ameritrash, they're already biased. They're not going to like your game. And so you kind of just have to like not put your game in front of those people, at least in my opinion. Some people might disagree with me on that because you never know who might like your game. But if you put your game in front of someone who only plays Terraforming Mars or Twilight Imperium and you've made a game something like Betrayal at House on the Hill, well, they're probably going to just hate your game. 
and you've just wasted now your time and their time because they're going to come back with feedback and they're going to complain about the randomness. They're going to complain about this and that. And I've had people flat out tell me I'm not your audience. And I, I appreciate that. But I mean, you know, you got to try everything once. I'll tell you a funny story. I played a game with a guy. Uh, it was an exchange. Like I'd offered to play his game if he played mine. I started getting really good at reading the table. Like I can read the room. When people aren't feeling my game, I shut it down. All right, guys, thanks for demoing the game. You know, what kind of feedback do you have for me? I don't make them play the whole thing. And I could tell this guy and a couple others that were there with this particular guy uh, was not feeling it. He flat out told me he flipped up a card and he's like, this card sucks. I can't ever use this card. It's a terrible card. And right then and there, I was like, all right, I'm not going to get anywhere with this guy. So he didn't care for my game. The promise is a promise. So I went over and I tried his game. Now his game was incredibly tactical. It was like a one-on-one battle strategy, very heavy strategy game where it was all card based. So the only randomness really was the cards that you drew, but every single thing, the combat, the way you move, had no randomness it was all strategic and I was playing against a guy who had played before on discord or something so this guy that I'm playing against is just we we all know this type of person he's he's know-it-all he's telling me all the abilities I'm a really like casual laid-back kind of guy and I'll tell I'll play anything once you were basically competing to destroy the other person's tower and you had these different units that moved a specific way well to make a long story short I actually ended up wiping the floor with my opponent and you should have seen his face he was looking at me it was kind of one of those games where like on the last turn you could tell if you were going to win or not And I knew that if he couldn't block this particular attack I was about to do, that I was going to win. And he's like, well, I just have to determine now whether or not you're going to be able to beat me in one turn. And of course, I'm sitting on the other side of the table knowing that I can beat him within one turn. And he's just dying. I mean, he would not end his turn. He sat there for probably 15 minutes trying to figure out what he was going to do to stop me from beating him. To the point where the designer came over and was like, hey, are you good? Like, what's going on? Oh, well, I'm just strategizing, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there just (laughs) just kind of smirking. So I of course, I laid down my cards, beat him, and ended up winning this game that I'd never played before and otherwise never would have played because it's not, quote, my type of game. I tell you this story because A, it's funny, and B, because you do have to try all kinds of games. You can't be the type of critic, especially if you're going to volunteer to play people's games. You have to be open-minded to the types of games that other people make. If you're biased and you only play games that have no dice, no randomness, nothing like that, and you sit down and you play something like Guess Who, you don't have the right to necessarily criticize the type of game that it is. You sat down to play it. You can offer criticism maybe on mechanics or how someone could do something better perhaps, but you can't actually just start destroying someone's game because you don't like it. It's not your type of game. You could do that, I suppose, but then you're not really a reputable reviewer. You're just someone who's hating on a game because it's not your taste. And so here I was, I was able to give this guy feedback, which I thought was going to be pretty valuable. I said, hey, I'm not your audience either, but I enjoyed your game and this is why. And these are some things that I might change. He did what you're not supposed to do. He rebutted me. And he was explaining why he did those things. And it's just, again, I've been in that position and I'm not perfect. Sometimes I still do it. With the people that I'm close to, I always jump to defend why I did something in a game, what my decision was behind it. But you have to really learn to just not do that. Whenever you sit down at your game to demo with people, just put it out of your head that you're going to rebut any feedback that they say. Something that might help you with this is by telling people, I would really ask that you would keep 
all of your criticism and thoughts until the end. If it means giving everybody a piece of paper and a pen to jot down notes, I think the best way to get feedback is to let everybody have a moment at the end to kind of go around the table and share their thoughts. If you're doing it mid-game, it doesn't just slow things down, but it throws a lot of information at you that you don't otherwise need at that point in time. Taking criticism is hard, guys. I mean, it's there's no formulaic way to take criticism in a way that's going to be a one-size-fits-all. It is a skill. You have to learn how to separate your identity, kind of like what we talked about in the last episode, from your game. Maybe they're not attacking you. Maybe sometimes reviewers will attack you, and then, of course, their opinion doesn't matter at that point. But some people who are genuinely trying to make your game better, and maybe they're a little bit more harsh with their words or just blunt, you have to be able to take that, accept it, and then later on, when you're you know reviewing your feedback and you're organizing it, figure out which parts jump out, which parts are consistent. Maybe if there are people saying the same thing about your game, maybe take a closer look at it. Don't just disregard it. The more you do this, the more you will see what type of criticism is valuable and which is not. And know your audience. I can't tell you that enough. Know your audience. Find that audience. Talk to industry professionals. Find out what types of games that audience plays or what types of publishers publish games for that audience and connect with them. Those are the best ways to make sure your game is getting in front of the right people who are going to give you the right kind of feedback. Feedback from folks who are biased and don't play, quote, those types of games. It's going to be tough to determine whether or not that was valuable feedback. A reviewer and a person like that is entitled to their opinion of your product. You're putting it out there. It's going to be at the mercy of reviewers. So just get used to it. Again, I hope this episode was really just an encouragement to you on some better ways to perhaps reframe how you take criticism and also how you give criticism. At the end of the day, you really just want to make sure that you're thinking about the other person who's in front of you. Put yourself in their shoes. I always tell people, take this with a grain of salt. I'm not an expert. I I, I play it down a little bit. I think it's always important to start and lead with the good things you liked about their game. Go off on a tangent about all the things you really enjoyed. And then if there are things that you didn't enjoy, don't just tell them flat out that this is something they should change. Frame it in a way that says like, hey, you know, have you tried thinking about this mechanic? Throw some suggestions out there of other games that use similar mechanics that maybe this person could play and research. Don't just be a know-it-all. You're going to put a sour taste in the mouth of the creator, and they're not going to want to listen to you after that. The moment you say something that seems off-color and makes them feel like they are not a good creator or something they did was stupid or something like that, they're not going to listen to you anymore. You have to find a way to frame things in a way that gives them the empowerment to continue making the decisions on on their own for their game. Ultimately, you got to remember, this is not your game, it's their game. And if a person is passionate about a specific type of game, then that's their decision. Let them be passionate about it. What do you care? I think we got a real problem in this industry with people who are a little bit uh, entitled to their opinion on a certain board game genre or type of game. And that needs to stop. If you don't like a type of game or a genre of game, that's fine. Just, you don't have to tell the world about it. Just don't play those kinds of games and save us all the trouble. At the same time, if you are a creator and you're receiving criticism, learn to take it with a grain of salt and figure out what works best for you in your game. Don't dismiss everything, but don't accept everything either. Don't defend things and don't consider every idea you have to be perfect and golden. Be flexible. Be willing to listen. Surround yourself with people that encourage you. Surround yourself with people that want to see you succeed. Those are the kinds of folks that will give you the feedback you're looking for. I hope this episode has been an encouragement to you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you want to learn more about 
about Wintermoon Games and all the creative things that I'm doing, please go to wintermoongames.com. You can find various links to all of the socials there. I encourage you to join our Discord channel, which is tailored right now for game designers as well as content creators. I want to bridge the gap between those two a little better, and I want to encourage self-promotion. I also want to invite you to check out Wintermoon Plays on Twitch because I'm going to be streaming again soon. If you go to Twitch and follow me there, I'm going to be streaming on Sunday nights, Tuesday nights, and Friday nights weekly. At least that's my plan right now, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm really interested in using the Twitch platform to connect with you one-on-one -on -one live so you can come talk to me. We can have a few laughs. I mean, those streams are not going to be taken very seriously, but that's a starting point where I want to have interaction and starting to build the community beyond just making content like this. So I would encourage you, I'm out on Twitter, I'm out on Instagram to go and follow some of those and find me. I, I love talking to people about games and I'm always around. I'm, I'm pretty available and accessible. So please hit me up. Thank you for listening to the designers dossier. My name is Chris and I'll see you next week.